So Money episode 537, Ted Gonder, co-founding CEO of MoneyThink. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It is February 20th. I'm a big believer in never underestimating a child's ability to learn about money, even at an early age. And I think that I'm not alone. Researchers at Cambridge University, where all the smart people go, discovered that kids can learn and take on good money habits by the age of, guess, seven. Meantime, a new study by Acorns, which we've talked about on this show, it's the micro-investing app. The researchers at Acorns found that nearly two out of every five millennials are anxious when thinking about daily expenses, especially debt. It's no surprise. And more than half surveyed felt their formal schooling left them very ill-prepared for success. So today's guest, Ted Gonder, is working to give young adults a better chance at managing their money well. He's the co-founding CEO of MoneyThink. It's a national technology nonprofit that helps young adults, especially first-generation college students, build financial health through mentorships and mobile apps. It launched in 2009 and since then has trained over 1,500 college leaders to serve as financial mentors. So if you're in college right now, this could be a great opportunity for you. And they have now 12,000 teens participating across 17 states. In 2015, Ted was recognized for his work by being named to Forbes' 30 under 30 list as the youngest in the finance category and... He also served as the youngest appointee on the U.S. President's Council for Financial Capability for Young Americans under Obama. He's kind of a big underachiever. What can I say? (laughs) Just kidding. Here's the lovely, the talented, the ambitious Ted Gonder. Ted Gonder, welcome to So Money. Love the mission that you're on, helping young people become more financially literate. We need more Ted Gonders in the world. Welcome to So Money. Thank you, Farnoosh. It's an honor to be on the show. Thank you very much. You have a very impressive resume, Ted, and you're only 27. And I just found out that you're a dad, too. You are so ahead of schedule <laughs> in so many ways. That's amazing. But let's talk first about Money Think, which is your new nonprofit that is aiming to help young people build financial help through mentorship programs and mobile apps. What makes you passionate enough to start a nonprofit around this? Because I understand that you were, I read at least, correct me if I'm wrong, that you were kind of all over the place when you were young. Yeah, I was a total knucklehead growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, my parents came from humble beginnings. When they got together, they said, we want to give our kid all the opportunities we never had. Um, and so I, I had all kinds of enrichment activities in my childhood from music to sports to Boy Scouts. Um, but I was always the troublemaker, getting kicked out of class, getting into trouble, hanging out with the wrong, the wrong crowds. And in high school, my mom hired a tutor uh, who ended up completely changing my life. Uh, and uh, I got in eventually to U Chicago for college, which is a great university where I was studying economics. And uh, that happened right around the same time. I got into college right around the same time that 
the economy collapsed and went into crisis in 2008. Uh, and so for me, I was thinking at the time, wow, I've been so lucky to have been on the wrong path to be redirected uh, and given guidance from this tutor that came into my life to have had supportive parents. And yet in the city of Chicago, where I was studying and interning around the different communities, volunteering in the communities, uh, I would see some of the poorest neighborhoods in the entire country. Uh, and you would just see foreclosed houses, abandoned cars, boarded up businesses, liquor stores, currency exchanges on every corner, and wonder, you know, what can I do as a college kid to help? So um, my friends and I started this tutoring club that focused on finance instead of normal academic subjects. And that ended up growing like wildfire uh, all across the country and, and has become what the organization is today. So why did you decide to focus on finance as opposed to other aspects of life? What was it about money that you thought was a good foundation for these young people? Well, it's interesting. I had two formative experiences before Money Think. One was that this tutor I had really helped me to understand that you've got to treat your life like an entrepreneurial venture and every decision you make as if it's an investment in your future. And so like before I even got to college or became an adult, I was, I had been kind of trained to see things through a fiscal lens. Um, and then the, the second thing that, uh, that happened before college, uh, before the financial crisis even was I had this incredible economics teacher in 12th grade who spent half the year actually teaching us personal finance and investing rather than macroeconomics. And he showed me one of the coolest spreadsheets I've ever seen. And I'm not a spreadsheet guy, um, which was, you know, there was column A that was uh, buy your coffee at Starbucks for a whole year every single day. There was column B, which was buy your coffee at 7-Eleven. And there was column C that said make your own coffee in your coffee pot. And you just see that over the course of a year, you end up saving a thousand or two thousand bucks. And for a high school kid, that's a lot of money. So I ended up uh, working on the side in addition to school and uh, saving as much as I could and ended up saving enough money to go backpacking around Europe for a summer before I got to college. So I, from a very early age, associated money with freedom rather or savings rather with freedom um, instead of thinking of it as sort of an uncool, boring thing that would prevent me from enjoying my life. I thought of savings as like th this awesome key to a, to a really rich set of experiences. Uh, and then when I got to college and started getting into the communities and working with the students that we serve who come from really distressed, uh, challenged areas and households, a lot, of, a lot of these kids come from single parent households. They are afraid to walk down the block. There's a lot of violence and drugs and challenges in the neighborhood. Um, uh, and, but a lot of them want to have a better future. They want to go to college. And one of the biggest questions they have is, well, how do I afford it? How do I get a job? How do I, uh, how do I earn federal aid money so that I can have a better future and not make my zip code determine my destiny? And that's when my friends and I in college kind of put the pieces together that, hey, actually, we're all really interested and already know a few things about basic budgeting and saving and investing. Why don't we go and share this with students that could probably make even better use of it than we could? And so what have been some of the outcomes and the case studies from the young people that you've been mentoring? Well, um, 
you know, for us, the, the goal is really to reach students at key inflection points in their lives. So whether that's during their first employment experience, whether that's as they're applying for college aid and trying to uh, move from high school into a more independent setting after high school, there's money at the core of all of this. And in fact, financial stress is the number one reason that low income kids who actually make it to college end up dropping out. Um, and so for us, over time, what we've really been focused on measuring is can we increase the mindfulness that students spend with on a daily basis? Can we help students set up savings accounts? Can we help students uh, learn what to do with a check when they get it? The, a lot of these things are missing from traditional financial literacy programs or you know, teachers, counselors, parents. A lot of times don't teach their kids this stuff. What do you do with a check when you get it? We've talked to a lot of kids that Without our program, they were keeping their checks in their backpack from their job, not realizing that their checks were expiring. And for you or me, it might seem crazy that they would do that, but no one ever told them. Uh, and uh, so a lot of what we've been focused on is driving behavioral changes at a very fundamental basic level for the kids who need it most. And now where we're really taking that moving forward is how does that affect downstream outcomes? So if you're able to change the way a student processes their check when they get their first job and get them a bank account and set them up in a financial mainstream system that's not going to be overly predatory or take advantage of the fact that they don't know a lot uh, or might come from a low-income situation, how do, you, how do you start to show that that can drive more positive outcomes in terms of the rate at which they complete college for the, as the first person in their family ever to make it through college? Or how do you show that that actually increases the chances that they'll retain their job and get a promotion rather than losing their job potentially because they weren't able to manage their cash flow enough to get a bus pass to make it to work on time. Those are the kinds of issues that we're really interested in, in making a difference on. And you're doing it through primarily mentorship, technology, mobile applications. You're not using textbooks, which is what traditionally administrations might utilize at the school level to teach financial literacy, if they do it at all. Um, exactly. So that was a very conscious decision on your end. Extremely conscious. And it's kind of counterintuitive, too, uh, because when when we first decided to explore the possibility of enhancing our mentoring model with technology, uh, the first thing we sort of said to ourselves is, uh, I don't know, maybe the schools we serve because they're under-resourced, maybe they don't have good enough uh, technology resources or computer labs, or maybe our students don't have smartphones. You know, we didn't want to make assumptions about whether or not our students had access to technology. Turns out that most of these kids that we're serving actually have some kind of smartphone, an Android or Microsoft or whatever, and it's it's actually their primary means of connectivity. Some of the students that we serve don't have broadband or computers at home, but they have these phones that they plug into Wi-Fi wherever they can, and they use this for social media and everything. And so what we realized was, here we are teaching all this, all of these financial concepts in the classroom, when in fact, a lot of the major decisions that our students are making are happening outside the classroom. So if, if we don't have a way to reach them at the point at which they're making a decision, then what, how can we expect to change their behavior? Uh, and ultimately, our goal is to change behavior. It's not just to teach students more knowledge that they may or may not remember when they, in the moment where they have to apply it. It's how do you get kids to actually form habits that will last a lifetime? 
you brought up a really good point earlier, which was predatory lending. And there's so many headwinds in the form of uh, not just predatory lending, but also the, the very fine print, not understanding what you're signing off on. The student loans that are just handed out like candy, uh, you know, $80,000, $100,000. Sure, here you go for your basket weaving degree from such and such, you know, online college. Uh, so uh, what? how much of your education is also being aware of the noise out there and the pressure to almost steer you in the wrong direction? It is, uh, it's hard to find true north. I, I completely acknowledge your point. And I think headwinds is a good way to put it. There's a lot of messaging. You know, someone asked me one time, who's your biggest competitor as a, as an organization that's trying to spread financial literacy, and financial information. And I, I was like the media, because, uh, everywhere you turn, it's free cash here, free cash there. Um, all of these uh, borderline scandal scams to hook you in if you are financially vulnerable or in crisis. And then it's really hard to escape those jaws once they've got you. Um, so, you know, we, we emphasize very heavily in a lot of our programming that uh, these are dangers to be aware of. At the same time, I think it's worth mentioning that because of the nature of the communities where we serve, and regardless of what I might think or what you might think, a lot of these students' parents rely very regularly on these quick cash mechanisms, um, check cashers, currency exchanges, payday lenders. And a lot of the families in these communities actually do so because there's a lack of other options. Um, and they do so in a in occasionally, uh, or actually on a fairly regular basis, a lot of families are able to to depend on these institutions in a responsible way. So we have to walk a, it's a fine balance, a, a line to toe, where on the one hand, you don't want to go into these classrooms and say, hey, these are predatory institutions, to use them is wrong, you and your family are wrong to use them, because that's not encouraging, that's not motivating, and in, in fact, it's disrespectful. On the other hand, you want to help students to understand that their future is their own, and that they do have a range of options, uh, and uh, that it's on them to be aware of those options. And here are the pros and cons. So, I mean, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I mean, I'm very passionate about, uh, you know, these. Well, I should say, I'm very much against a lot of the products out there that I feel keep the poor poor. Me too. Um, and I'll just say it like it is. Like things like you mm -hmm. know, um, those. De, you know, what is it called? Payday loans and even de prepaid car prepaid debit cards to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like when we talk about how there's so many underbanked people in this country, uh, yeah. why not help them get a bank account as opposed to circumventing the system and then not saving properly and not really learning what compound interest is and the benefits of that. And so really undermining their ability to really actually become banked and become an audience that is catered to from the financial services perspective. So absolutely, I, absolutely. I yeah, so I, I'm very skeptical of like new products that are catering to the lower income class or, you know, the, the quote unquote, you know, underbanked because I yeah. feel like it's, it's not a long-term, it's not a long-term vision for them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So I love agree. what you're doing. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Is what I love. <laughs> I love what you're doing. I hate what everybody else is doing. Um, 
<laughs> tell me a little about yourself. You know, you said you came from a very loving family. They, you know, you had the, you had resources, you had that tutor. Uh, yeah. But uh, talk about maybe a financial memory that you had when you were growing up that now as a young, still a young guy, you look back on it and go, that was a really big moment for me. Maybe I didn't even realize it at the time. It was teaching me so much about money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are two that I think, um, uh, I, worth men, are worth mentioning. The first, and, uh, this, this is with the disclaimer and the context that I love my dad. He's amazing. He did an incredible job, uh, to help me understand the importance of financial literacy. And I, I don't think I would be anywhere without him. The one interesting thing that helped me to form our approach with money think is that one of my earliest memories is going to a bank with my dad uh, and you know he was showing me ATMs and checks and how all of the things at the bank work. And for whatever reason, at the age that I was there, it seemed incredibly boring to me. Uh, and I don't think I'm alone in this, uh, thinking that banks can be boring. But that the experience was boring. Um, and he's not a particularly boring guy, but something about it made me uh, made me feel bored. And for a very long time as a kid, I associated all things money with boredom. Uh, and that flipped uh, when I had the experience I mentioned before with this economics teacher who showed me that, in fact, uh, money savvy can lead to uh, and, and really equate to like total freedom and awesome experiences and the stuff that's really worth living for, the meat of life. And that's something that I didn't grasp until much later. And I think that that's something that can be totally reinvented for people of all ages all over the world. It's, I think your podcast is a great example of this. So often um, uh, money is boring and it takes thought leaders uh, and strong brands and analogies and stories uh, and personalities to bring money to life um, uh, in, in a way that's accessible and compelling. Um, and not so abstract. I think that's the problem is the bank was so abstract for me. Uh, and it wasn't until later that I started to, to see, Hey, if you put things in a different context, they can be really exciting. So some of the first lessons we ever developed at money think were, you know, talking to kids, we went in and talked to kids. The first lesson we ever did was actually exactly the, the, uh, thing that went wrong when I was a kid. Uh, we went in and talked about all these abstract concepts that they didn't care about. We were like, who's Ben Bernanke? Why is the economy failing? Have you read the Wall Street Journal today? Derivatives trading, blah, 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 blah. And these kids are like, what are you doing? Who are you? I don't even care. And when we, we went to them and said, well, how do you think about money? What do we have in common? What, like, what sports do you like? What music do you listen to? We realized that hey, we could teach a lesson on West, Wesley Snipes' tax evasion, which is incredibly interesting that you've got this movie star that all these kids know who's evading taxes. Now, what are taxes and how does the tax system work? All of a sudden, you've made taxes exciting. Justin Bieber's prepaid card versus Susie Orman's prepaid card versus uh, uh, Magic Johnson's prepaid card. They're all terrible. <laughs> They're all terrible. But That's what why? they have in common. Yeah. Why? Because if you just say, let's talk prepaid cards to a group of 11th yeah. graders, they're going to say no. <laughs> um, so... You know, that's, that's one. And then the other very briefly is um, I was very lucky to have come from where I come from and to end up with a full ride scholarship to college. Um, 
after having been denied financial aid from all of the colleges that I applied for, I ended up getting a merit scholarship to U Chicago. And I say that not to brag uh, because like it's so long in the past, but what it did for me was uh, really instilled in me a sense of gratitude that helped me to understand just how big of a game changer a hand up can be for people, especially for people who come from less privileged than I came from. You know, I had a full fridge, two parents, a calm household, a safe neighborhood, and that scholarship still changed the game for me. I don't think I'd be anywhere without that scholarship. And it was a couple people in an admissions committee making a decision to say, hey, we want to give this kid a chance. That needs to be done a lot more. Uh, and I think, you know, we've worked with over 10,000, over 12,000 kids at MoneyThink. More kids need to be given a second, a, a second eye a real chance, a real hand up, because there's so much endless, boundless potential out there. And these kids are grateful, right? They they really want more. They're not um, they're not complacent. They don't they're, oh. they don't have crazy stories in their head saying like I can't, I don't, I'm not worth it. Because sometimes when you're when you're raised in in, a, in an environment where there aren't resources, you don't have role models. It's hard to really think beyond your your environment. It, it's that's true. It is, and I think um, certainly these kids are not immune to that. But you can go in, you can go to any community in the entire world and find people that have uh, that have the fire inside of them and want to make something of their lives. Uh, and I think that too often people in power and people of influence forget that and forget what a positive impact they can have on on these kids. What's your so money moment, Ted? Uh, you know, you're 27, you're dad, you're, you run a nonprofit, you've been to the White House, you've given TED Talks, you've been on television, you have a lot of so many moments, but uh, <laughs> if, specifically with regards to money, 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 what's your so money moment? <laughs> um, I think the, uh, the, the one that comes to mind most uh, prominently is so I, I, you know, we started MoneyThink as this passion-driven volunteer initiative in college. And then before we knew it, um, we were graduating college. And I had this deep desire to continue working on this and make it my full-time job and dedicate a very large portion of my life toward, uh, you know, turning this grassroots organization into a, like a serious, lasting institution for change in society. And that was a big, big idealistic dream that I had no idea how to turn into a reality. I'd never fundraised before. I had never like built a staff of people who were dependent on me for their livelihood. Like there was a lot of stuff that I had never done that it would require me to do. And the first thing was actually a combination of those two. I needed to fundraise enough money to hire someone other than myself uh, in order to run the organization while I went out and fundraised more money. Um, and my parents were, uh, were supportive, but also, uh, very clear that I had a few months to do this, but they weren't gonna, they like my runway was not long. And so right after college, I'm living on something like a thousand bucks a month and, um, uh, and sleeping on the floor spending all of my waking hours trying to fundraise to, to grow this organization. I'm making a strategic plan and a business plan and all and pitching everywhere and cold calling everyone I can. And everyone's saying, no, everyone's saying, 
no, you're too young. You're too inexperienced. We don't know what this volunteer model is. We've never seen anything like this. Like, how are you funded? Who else is funding you? And I'm saying nobody, nobody. And finally, uh, after, you know, hunting for the entire summer, basically in Chicago is just smoldering hot out. I I'm in the post office and this lady at the post office is so mean. And I'm sure she was having a bad day too, but I was having a bad day. And I felt like, I just felt like, like punching through the glass, like was this rage filled image in my head. Cause I'd been rejected so many times that week and was like, I'm really on my last leg. I'm like, this is impossible. We're not, we're not getting anywhere. And then finally, um, I walk out uh, of the post office, uh, to cool my head and I sit down on the curb and I open my phone and turn it on. And the first, uh, and the first email that comes in is, is something along the lines of congratulations. You've just won $50,000 from the, the Blackstone foundation this huge private equity company in New York decided to take a risk on us and give us 50,000 to hire a program director. And that was this hugely catalytic turning point because then you go back to all the naysayers and all the maybes and they all turn to maybes or yeses. And that was what enabled us to raise the seed funding for us to ultimately um, get this thing off the ground and make it what it is today. And so just a huge windfall moment at a point of desperation. Wow. I mean, it just goes to show you, you just need one yes. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, what a great story. Oh, I hate the I hate the post office. Oh, don't you? It's just, I mean, everyone, no it's so dark. Office, but it's, they got to do a design. I know. The one near me is like, I have to go through a metal detector because <laughs> oh. it's in a, it's in a federal building and oh, okay. it's just, it's already, already I'm like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Um, it takes so long. I know. All right. Talk about your, your worst money moment, like your biggest failure. What's something that you really failed at? Uh, um, you know, I think, um, this is going to sound this is going to sound crazy but I don't actually have anything in particular uh, at this age, again, I'm like, I'm pretty young. Right. And I don't, I haven't been like, come back in 10 years. I <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's my honest answer is that it, it's not to say like, Oh yeah, I've done everything perfectly, but I don't have like a huge fail. I was, I was thinking about this before, before our call. I think that, um, you know what, if you can edit this or even if you can't, uh, let me redo that because I think that the, it, it's not one single moment or one single fail. I think that the issue is I lost sight of uh, of what I learned about coffee for about three years uh, right after we got funded at MoneyThink. And I spent way too large of a portion of my tiny salary on airport coffee and uh, and like airport and on the go food. And I didn't uh, I didn't make my coffee at home. I didn't pack instant coffee. I didn't do anything. And I ended up spending several hundred dollars a month on just like totally overpriced coffee and, and lunches out and stuff because I was, my job was to meet people all the time, but our business wasn't big enough uh, to, to ever think about expensing a, a lunch or a coffee. Um, and uh, so I, I blew way too much cash on coffee and food. I think that's – it doesn't sound that terrible, but that's honestly what it was. I probably spent 
a fourth of my salary on coffee or something. Well, I was, I'm glad you figured out something that you failed at because it's better to fail when you're young than <laughs> when you're my age. It, it hurts less. Um, yeah. That, you know, you can make up for those <clears throat> hundreds of dollars you'll never get back um, in your still as, as a 20 something year old. That's, uh, you have time to make up for that. But, oh, uh, very lucky. Especially I, airport coffee. Anything at the airport is like 10x. And it's gross. And it's, it's gross. All, it's gross. But you know what I have to say is I'm I I'm really so lucky uh, to have been exposed to the financial guidance that I was even before I got to college and ha- and got a scholarship to college. I feel like my entire life is built on luck in that sense because it and that's exactly what we're trying to do for the students that we serve is preventative work. Like you're you know you're saying what's your biggest financial fail and I talk to a lot of people that work with adults on financial literacy and. Adults usually only seek financial help once they're in crisis. Oh, I racked up too much credit card debt, or I can't pay back my student loan debt, or I'm in over my head on mortgages, or I took out an auto title loan on my car. It's like, these are things that you, like, yeah, you have to deal with them if they happen, but it's always reactive. And I, I, I think what I've come to believe is you can actually get to the point where like too, spending too much on coffee is your biggest failure if you're reached early enough, like I was. Right. As opposed to I have $200,000 in student loans, no job, and $40,000 in credit card debt. Exactly. Where was your counselor when you were 16? Right. We're not thinking <laughs> coffee was, is the least of our problems at that point. Yeah. Totally. Uh, all right, Ted, let's do some so many fill in the blanks. And I'll let you go back to saving the world. <laughs> If okay. I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million bucks, the first thing I would do is mm. set up a donor advised fund. The tax advantages are huge, <laughs> and I have nothing to do with a hundred million. I might keep a few, like a few million, but I would set up a fund to uh, give strategic, strategically to organizations that are helping people in need and. Uh, I might also set up a VC fund to help like for-profit companies that are doing interesting work. So let's, let's uh, skip ahead to this one. If uh, when I donate, I like to give to blank. Uh, when I donate, I like to give to organizations. This is going to sound kind of funny, but I like, I, I like to give to organizations that uh, help pets. Uh, I love the ASPCA. I love this organization um, in Chicago that's a, a dog and cat shelter. Um, I, I really have a soft place in my heart for pets. Um, I think that if my job wasn't building a youth nonprofit, I would also uh, donate heavily uh, to, to organizations that help kids. Um, but uh, with the limited money I do have, I usually give donations to animals. Do you have pets? I had a dog growing up and he was my best friend because I was an old child. All right. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Healthy food all the way. Yeah. Are you big health all- nut? Do you work out a lot? I, I do every day. Every day and um, also a gym membership. Um, but yeah, healthy food is uh, non – it cannot compromise for me. I, I also have like food sensitivities to – unhealthy things. So it's, isn't it great when you're forced to eat well, (laughs) right? Yeah. I I, I don't wish it upon anyone, but it's like, 
that's yeah. when you, you know, unfortunately, it's when you have to. A lot of times, it's with the wake up call. So exactly, I used to feel so like uh, almost ashamed of myself. Oh, all my friends can have milkshakes and burgers and bread, etc. And I would always just like it would make me feel so bad. And now I'm like. Oh, cool. Like those, all, those are all the things that are associated with death and cancer. So <laughs> You'll be lucky. around a lot longer, probably. Yeah. Uh, oh. All right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is? Um, I think uh, that I, I really wish that I had learned that it's a tool that you use to express your values. Um, I think there was a lot. There was a lot of financial education for me from teachers and my parents that was like, here's what to do with your money to be safe and responsible. But there, it was missing the philosophical element of like money, just like your time, just like your words, just like your vote is a way to express your values as an individual citizen and member of society. And you have a limited amount of it and it's up to you to allocate that in a way that authentically expresses who you are. Uh, and, and I, I think that, uh, I probably wouldn't have bought so much coffee for those few years if, <laughs> if that was what I was thinking about. You know, you have a great way of putting money into the context that we can all relate to. So I love that. Rock your vote, rock your money. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Ted rock Gonder, it. thank you so much for stopping by. You're awesome. Thank you. You're awesome. This is a, this is so fun. I'm I'm uh, very grateful. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks so much to Ted Gonder for joining us today. His site is tedgonder.com. He's on Twitter at Ted Gonder. And if you missed any of this, just head over to somoneypodcast.com where you can get the audio, the transcript, and you can leave me a question for our Friday episodes. What's on your money mind? It's spring. Maybe you're thinking about buying a car, going on a vacation, finally getting that house, getting out of debt, telling your boss you want to quit, all of the above. Let me know how I can be of service and maybe give you a second opinion. So click on Ask Farnoosh while you're at the website and let me know what is on your Monday mind. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. <laughs>